Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Breeden RV Center, family owned and operated, a no pressure, laid back atmosphere, and always home of the free maintenance for life. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of the Believe and Hit That Line Podcast Network. With us on the line is the voice of the Arkansas Razorback, Chuck Barrett. A former guest of the show, Coach Mike Neighbors from the Arkansas women's basketball team. We have from ESPN's Around the Horn, highly questionable. Also a two-time Dan Levitard Show Suey winner and a <laughs> former heptathlete at Cornell, Sarah Spain. And we are happy to be joined by Martrell Spate. Mr. Phil Elson, the voice of Razorback baseball and the Ladybacks. Razorback Nation, welcome into episode number 178 of the one and only Hog Talk Podcast, live from the Heinemann Services Studios. I am your host, Kyle Sutherland, alongside my main man, Porter Hayes, and we thank you, as always, for joining us. If you're a first-time listener, be sure and hit that subscribe button on whatever form you're listening to. That way you're notified whenever we release an episode. And if you could also be so kind to leave us a five-star written review, or a five-star rating and a written review, that really helps get our name out there and reach more people. Guys, got another loaded show for you today. Porter and myself are going to break down the Sweet 16 and give some of our, but not really break down because we're not experts on the entire nation, but you know, talk about some of those matchups and then touch on the Razorbacks playing Oral Roberts. And then Kevin will t- be with us in segment two to talk a little bit of baseball after the Razorbacks swept Memphis on Tuesday and Wednesday. And then finally in segment three, we welcome the shooter Pat Bradley, former Razorback great and current SEC Network analyst on to talk about how he became a Razorback, a little bit of his story, and also what he thinks of the matchup. But Porter, got a little bit of uh, news that broke right before we began recording. I won't play the breaking news music because it'd be a lot more fun if it were a live show because, as we know, it's not going to be such breaking news once this drops. But Chelsea Dungy and I believe Destiny Slocum have both announced that they are going to go forego their final year that would have been like their sixth or seventh year of eligibility but uh, due to COVID, but they are going to forego that and go to the WNBA draft, and I think that's a perfect decision for them. But uh, what do you think about that instant reaction? I think that probably we both agree that that's the right move. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, especially with Chelsea. I mean, she seemed into her legacy, finished with 2,127 points. I mean, just – 42% field goal percentage, 38% from the three-point line. She scored double figures all 27 games this year. I mean, she's done nothing. It's kind of like what we were talking about last year when when Mason Jones and Isaiah Joe were going to go to the draft. You know, what have they done to really, you know, pr- do more to get into the draft? And for her sake, I mean, she's a first-round lock. So you really can't – I mean, of course you would love to see her come back and play another year, as most Hog fans were, but – in this instance, she's done nothing but cement her legacy as one of the best to ever play at the University of Arkansas. We wish her nothing but the best. I mean, I can't wait to see her name, you know, covering the team the last two years and really seeing her game grow from last year to this year and, and just how devastated she was after that loss against Wright State. I mean, you knew, you've seen it in her eyes, just how devastated she was that, you know, that was going to be her last game as a Razorback. You know, you could just tell. And it was, you know, it was a heartbreaking press conference to sit there and, and and try to think of a question to ask and not really like deflate the room as much as it already was. I mean, because there was four or five reporters in there. And I mean, she probably got two or three questions because they just knew she didn't want to be in there. She was just ask, you know, answering the questions and but wish her nothing but the best with with Slocum. I mean, she's been all over, you know, been to Maryland, been to Oregon State, now Arkansas. So for her to really you know, say, I'm going to declare and go to the draft, the same thing. I mean, she was only one here one year, but, man, she made such an impact on this senior-laden team and really helped them, you know, in, in times where they needed a point guard to step up because with the loss of Alexis Tolfrey and, you know, Atiana Galden, they, one went overseas and one, you know, transferred to Georgia State. So, wish them about nothing but the best of luck. Also, Taylor Thomas, she decided to, you know, enter the transfer or – for her senior year, and Macy Weaver, she also decided to enter the transfer portal. So all these ladies had tough decisions going after this game, and we knew that 
you know, it was likely that there was going to be a bunch of leaves. So you've got Jersey Wolfenbarger coming in. You've got Alani Eaton coming back and then the others that they signed with the McDonald's All-American nominees. So, you know, it, they set the foundation. You know, this is what we talk about when you're building programs and, and setting that foundation for teams. And they have definitely done it here at Arkansas. Yeah, that was really tough. I watched Chelsea's and Coach Neighbors. I watched their post-game press conference, and it was uh, it was pretty devastating, man. You know, you, you knew that it was going to be devastating for the players, for anyone associated with the team, but as fans, too. You know, us that cover it, I mean, you are the guy that has you, – you've covered every single game. I know that I've helped you with a couple of them, but either way, I've, I've followed the team really since you and I connected in 2018, 2019. And so this was the the core of girls, Jalen and Chelsea. And of course, as you mentioned, Je- Destiny came in this year and Macy Weaver, all of them that I really began following heavily. I've followed women's a- athletics at the University of Arkansas my entire life, but I'm talking about on a game-by-game basis. This group was the ones that really that uh, that that set that tone, I think, for a lot of people following women's basketball at Arkansas. And you know, I I, I told I told Jude Porter and I and I've just gotta say I was I was very shocked by Coach Neighbors's the way that uh, he had opened up his press conference. You know, Coach Neighbors, a good friend of ours, has been on the show multiple times. Think the world of him as a, as a person and as a coach. Um, but I also had to add that with I, I was I was disappointed um, by him saying that they did not have the the players ready. He had talked about various things that um whether it be oh apparently the apparently the puppy doesn't like my opinion too much but <laughs> but there was uh the the fact that he had talked about we weren't ready for their zone we weren't ready for this we weren't ready for that i i was mainly just disappointed because we talked about so many times throughout this season and even with him on the show uh that we the team got the NCAA tournament taken away from him uh, in 2019 and then in 2020, whenever. Now, 2019, that's a matter of opinion. You and I are definitely on the same page as that, that Tennessee got the nod and that was wrongful. And then COVID took it away in 2020. I just hate that we had such a talented team that played with, pro- that beat probably the team that is going to be the national champions and maybe the, I'm not sure if Baylor and UConn are on the same side of the bracket, but either way, Two national championship contending teams, and I'm quite certain that UConn's probably going to win it, but you just hate to see in that final game for these girls that have really built this core. And look, it's sports. Things are going to happen. I get that. But I, I just – I got to be honest. I, I was I was disappointed. Uh, still believe in him wholeheartedly. He's not a Final Four coach for nothing. He has not taken this team from 14th in the SEC to as high as, what was it, top 10 in the country this year for nothing. Yep. Still believe in him 100%, but I was disappointed to, to hear that in, in his opening press conference or opening postgame press conference. Yeah, I mean, you can't – I mean, anybody who who's disappointed in the, the effort, you know, with, with the coaching and the players, you know, because we, we kind of gave them a pass when they went into the – SEC tournament because you know they've been traveling same day they're doing all this grind and then they go up against Ole Miss and you know run into Austin and she just killed them you know so they're like all right you know they won't have another performance like that again and a lot of it is was you know yeah they weren't prepared for the zone but man watching that game they just the shots weren't falling they weren't defending the three well I mean so it's almost like, yeah, they weren't prepared, but I think a lot of it is he was falling on the sword instead of, you know, blaming it on the players and having the players go through that after that, you know, devastating loss. He kind of took all of it and, 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 like I said, fell on the sword. But, you know, you've got to be able to, especially having that much time and you knew who you were going against, you're familiar with the coach, you're familiar with their style. And in the tournament time, you get these 13 seeds. Look at Belmont. They beat Gonzaga. You know, it wasn't the only upset that happened. So you've got to go in there ready to play. But when it comes down to it, it comes down to they were down by 12, 14 at one point, and they decided they came back. You know, they, they were getting free throws and shots and scoring droughts. So, you know, you've got to take advantage of what's given to you. And they were given the game. I mean, they were given – I mean, there was some questionable calls there at the end, especially one where the girl was running away from Dungy. Dungy kind of put her arm out, and she got a foul. 
and got free throws. And you're up one. You And knowing that Baker was hot, I mean, she ended up with 27 points. And you got a defender step out on her. So, yeah, some of it was coaching. You know, I'm not giving him, you know, a full pass on it. But a lot of it, the shots weren't falling. They just didn't seem in the game. They just seemed happy to be in the tournament. You know, and that's the difference between these teams that – just get to the tournament opposed to teams like UConn, all these teams. Look at Texas A&M. You know, they went wire to wire with Iowa State, and Arkansas could have beat them two times. I mean, this team was a 10-loss team, and they could have easily been a four-loss team. With with the wins, they should have beat Texas A&M twice. You know, the Georgia win, you know, that should have been a win. Tennessee game where they just got outplayed. So, but yeah, there, there's going to be a lot of what ifs, and he said it after the game. You know, there's going to be a lot of woulda, coulda, shouldas this season, and I think this is what the team needs moving forward. Like, all right, we've built this program. We're at this peak to where you know we're, we're a top fifteen, top twenty program. All right, we we got hit in the mouth by in the tournament by these the mid major. Now we know what to prepare for next year. We know how to defend and. So I'm I'm excited but sad, you know, because we uh, we had failed to mention, you know, Jayla Mason was another one that, you know, she decided into the transfer portal too. So it, it's going to be a rebuilding year, you know, and so we'll see what they do next year. And you've got some talent coming in, uh, of course, with Jersey Wolfenberger, as we've mentioned, uh, you know, just a, an incredible talent there. The, I think she's the fifth or si- anywhere from fifth or seventh best player in the country. Like you said, Alana Eaton, she was uh, suffering from, or not suffering, but she was recovering from a, uh, a, I believe it was an ACL injury, something with the knee. So you've got a lot of talent coming in, but either way, there's going to be some youth. And so there's going to be growing pains, just like we saw with the men this year. But nonetheless, a, a fantastic season that again included wins over top five teams, Baylor and UConn. It just really sucked to see that there at the end, you know, the to see them go out like that, especially in the SEC tournament. And then Again, right state, but not. But it does not take away from the incredible things that we've talked about from where this program was when they were freshmen, sophomores, to where it is now. And so, uh, incredible season from the ladies, and, and certainly look forward to watching them again next year. Before we get into some NCAA tournament talk, I want to remind you guys that the show is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. March Madness is in full swing, and Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Plus, it's free to sign up. So head to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive 50% off your welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And Porter, I know just like everybody, our uh, both of our brackets are in the, to- in the toilet completely. I went from first to fourth, I think, from Sunday to Monday. Monday, I really had a bad day. Sunday, had a pretty good day. But where uh, did you, you ended up filling out a bracket, didn't you? Where are you sitting at? currently like in terms of where you're at with your competition where if you're with friends or work or whatever it is i uh i've put in you know espn arkansas had that you know the breeding rv bracket challenge and where they're giving away a lot of gifts and stuff and uh my bracket was pretty much shot after the first two days and i i started i can't remember the guy's name he was doing all the brackets and then the espn challenge you know 14.7 million brackets were filled out for the espn tournament challenge and not a single one was perfect after the first round. I mean, that is insane. I don't remember the last time that's happened in the first round, just with all the upsets. But uh, mine was pretty much shot. I think I was sitting at like 30, 34. But after that, I mean, I fell way down. I think I'm down scraping the barrel because I had uh, – who I, I can't even remember who I had in the championship. I had Ohio State. Ohio State and Gonzaga in the final. So – you know, from the point Ohio State got beat, and then I mean, I had Tennessee with a deep run; they got beat. You know, so it's it's crazy to. And of course, I went a lot of chalk. And that was my first mistake. You know, you got to pick them upsets, and I just happened to pick the wrong upsets. And man, I just I can't believe that all the upsets and the teams that are left. You know, and with Arkansas playing Oral Roberts, how crazy is that? You know. So I'm very excited about the game this weekend. But as for my bracket, it's been thrown in the trash. Yeah, I I still have a chance to come back because I've only spent $25 total on all the brackets that I, th- I think I'm in three different competitions. But I have a chance to win like anywhere from 950 to to 1000 So I'm, I'm fine really with what I'm at this point just wanting the Razorbacks to do good. But I'm looking over this the Sweet 16 matchups 
And I like this Loyola, Chicago, and Oregon State because nobody ex- th- these are the two teams that nobody expected to be there. You look at Syracuse, Houston, I don't think that people expected Syracuse to be this far. I certainly didn't. UCLA and Alabama. Alabama, you expected UCLA, not so much. You look at Michigan, Florida State, the other one in the East. That was one that you probably expected them to probably be there. USC, Oregon, there in the West. Now, I, I know that not many people – I don't think I had a Pac-12 team going – I might have had one or two in the – or I might have had one in the Sweet 16. I don't have my my actual bracket right in front of me. But what a – just what a performance by that entire league. Where the Big Ten has failed, which I still think – I don't know that the Big Ten is as bad as they played in the NCAA tournament, but – you cannot say enough about the Pac-12. Oregon gets that pass against VCU because VCU breaks out in some and COVID cases, and they go and just throttle Iowa. So that was one that people were like, okay, well, let's see how they do now that they got a freebie. And then you've got all these other teams. There's only been Oregon State has been the surprise there. You know, defeating Tennessee, I don't think many of them thought that they'd get past that first round there. And so – and then, of course, no, because Oregon State was picked last in their conference. Yeah, picked last in the I mean, conference, they, they, and, and they won it. Yeah, and then they beat a really hot Oklahoma State team in the round of thirty-two. Just, just well, they weren't. I think that the the point differential was a lot worse than fourteen throughout the majority of the game. In terms of like, I don't think basically what I'm getting at is that Oregon State necessarily just beat Tennessee on the scoreboard. I think that it was an all-out thrashing in any regard that you slice it. But nonetheless, I just think that I, I, I guess I usually watch some of the Pac-12 after dark, the football games, but basketball I really didn't see a whole lot of this year. I actually maybe saw two or three total Pac-12 games uh, all season. So that's my fault for not doing my homework there. But, yeah, Illinois and, and Ohio State really killed me there. I had Illinois in the Final Four. I had Ohio State. I think I had us beating them. Yeah, that's what it was. I had us beating them, and that was just a big one. But – I look at the Arkansas Oral Roberts matchup, and you you see the Abmas, the the Abmases and the O'Banners and the Glaspers and all these names of these guys that are scoring double digit points per game. But Abmas and o, and Obanar are the ones that have just the last two games have been dogs. I think that they've both played a total of about eighty five ninety minutes. I mean, they have been in the game the entire time. Uh, so props to them for being able to do that. I know that they've gotten in game shape playing all season there, but you want to say that we match up better. We've beaten Oral Roberts previously. Now, obviously this is when we were two totally different teams, but you've beaten Oral Roberts previously. Do you think that they match up better there? Yes. On paper, you would think more so than, than Ohio state because Ohio state has those guys that were extremely highly touted. But then you look at Oral Roberts with the Cinderella story that they have become the way that they are playing. Who do we really match up with better right now? Well, it, with Oral Roberts, I mean, you playing them already. You know, they you're familiar with them, and you're not looking ahead. You know, a lot of these people, it is as tough as it is to try to not overlook and look to the next round. We did it with the first round matchup. We're already looking ahead to Texas Tech. You know, it's when it gets to that tournament setting, it's hard not to look ahead. And when it comes to tournament play, you would, the hot team, look at Loyola, Chicago, look at Oral Roberts, look at Creighton, you know, these teams, look at the, the whole Pac-12. I mean, we previously said that Oregon State was picked 11th in their conference or 12th in their conference, and they ended up winning the whole tournament and then coming in. What really helps to me is we're playing them a week later and we're not having to play them in the second round where they get the momentum, they're hot, they won the second game. Now they've had a chance to kind of cool off, get off that high, that adrenaline, and let's see where you know Arkansas is when the matchup. You know, we played them tough. I mean, it was a tough game the first time in Bud Walton, and we know what to expect. But I know how good Oral Roberts is playing right now. But Arkansas is playing so much better than these. When you compare the two teams when they played back in December to where they're playing now. I think Arkansas is playing a lot better now than Oral Roberts. Yeah, that's where I'm at, too. I I think that Oral Roberts is a great story, just like Loyola Chicago. You always love to see those Cinderella stories every year, unless they are beating your team, of course. 
But I, I just don't believe that Arkansas is – I think that they're at that point that they are refusing to lose. And I do believe that there are teams in this tournament that could certainly beat them, but you're not going to see that until you get to the Elite Eight. Now, I say that lightly because, look, it's the tournament – Anybody can beat anybody on any given day. That's the beautiful thing about it. This is not a seven-game series like the NBA. It's one chance, and if you screw it up, you're going home. And for some people, that's the end of your career. But I don't think that Oral Roberts is going to be the one to spoil this party for the Razorbacks. Now, when you get into the Baylors, the Gonzagas, the I mean, right now, you say even say the way that Oregon is playing, I, I still think the Razorbacks could probably beat them, but I'm just seeing that name right off the top of my head of teams that have really dominated in this tournament so far. And I don't think that it is going to be until you get to around those last eight teams or maybe even the final four that not being able to score at the beginning of the game and then having to make runs, I think that's when it's going to really affect you if you do start off that way. Like if you start off against Colgate, or if you start off against Baylor the way that you started off against Colgate, it's probably not going to end up very well for you. But I do think the Razorbacks, we're going to get into a little bit more talk about this with Pat, but I do believe that the Razorbacks are going to win this game. I had that initially when uh, they were, I thought that they were going to be playing Ohio State when I had that on my bracket when I was filling it out. And I do think they're going to get to the Elite Eight. We might not be celebrating all next week for a Final Four, but, hey, I think right now – we're just anything that we get is just icing on the cake. I want to get as far as we possibly can, but we have said when they got to this, you know, five, six, seven, eight game SEC winning streak and they started just getting really hot and they were consistently in that top 25 from being ranked number 24 to 20 to I think it was 14 to 11 to eight, whatever the order was. Anything at this point further is just icing on the cake and. We've said that over and over again, that we have to be thankful for how far we've gotten. Think about the Kentucky fans, the Michigan State fans, the, the all Duke. the Blue the Duke, the Blue Bloods. Yep. In North Carolina, they started playing hot there at the end and got in the NCAA tournament. Think about how they wish that they could be here. And I think well, look at Ohio right. State. Yeah, Ohio State. I mean, think about yeah. State. They were supposed to be in the finals in a lot of people's bracket. They get yep. beat by ORU. Illinois, so, yeah. yeah. You could go – I mean, you don't yep. need – it's not even exclusive to teams that are not even in the NCAA tournament. I mean, it's it's even ones that made it that lost in the round of 32 and are lost in the round of 64. And so I do think that we are going to be very, very happy – on Saturday, come Monday, I'm not really sure where I'm at, but only time will tell. But, Porter, I want to tell everybody and you, I haven't even – I think I mentioned this to you last week, but we have a new sponsor, our friends over at Sunday Scaries. And we all have our moments at the end of each weekend, particularly Sundays, when we start dreading the beginning of the week. Porter, I know whenever you and myself or you, me, and Cabo or whoever is doing the pod – Whenever I start editing it that night and I'm about to post it, it's always great because, you know, we get to start the week off with that. But I know that I've got another long week of work coming. And that's what our friends at Sunday Scaries are here for. Maybe you are one of the millions of Americans who suffers anxiety. Our friends at Sunday Scaries are here with to keep you chill and mellow with CBD gummies that are that are very delicious, very indifferent kind of flavors. Vitamin, they're also vitamin-boosted. Whether it's hemp oils, much more, they have that taken care of. Just go to sundayscaries.com and check them out. There is no risk to buy, and the company offers a 100% lifetime money-back guarantee, meaning if the product is not for you, you'll get your money back. And again, that's sundayscaries.com, and use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, for 25% off. So that's uh, that's something that I'm going to have to probably get, especially if we do make it to the final four, because this fan base is just <laughs> going to be absolutely off the rails. It's going to be great. I, I cannot Ty's wait. Ty's going to shave his head. Ty's going to shave his head. Did did that uh, tweet get enough for Coach Musselman? I don't know if – I know that he had said on the morning rush the other day that he was going to shave his head if it gets an amount. I can't remember what the amount of retweets it was supposed to be. But uh, either way, <laughs> that'd be that'd be pretty cool if you get to get Coach Mus. I think at that point, Ty's been putting a lot of – talk into saying that it can't be this person or can't be that person. You can't do it this way. You can't do it that way. I think if Coach Muss were the one to do it, then that that tone would probably change really quick. Oh, yeah. And also, I think that, you know, you you get that high. And we got to look. I mean, it could happen. But, you know, his dad's a Baylor grad. And for them to be able to go to the Final Four and after beating Baylor, 
I mean, that's going to be bittersweet to him. But I think once you get to that high, like he's going to be so excited that if they make the final four, that he's not going to care. I think it's all put on, you know, I mean, really, really other than Jenkins and Phil, I don't think he'd really let them touch his hair, but it's, but I think of the excitement around the country around, I mean, just how Arkansas has come nationally known. It's not that regional fan base that it used to be. I mean, Eric Musselman has taken this fan base and this popularity nationwide. And I don't know if they're going to get to the final four, but I think with you having a team like Oral Roberts, I mean, we look at the first of the year, we're like sweet 16 or bust. The majority of the fans that were saying with this group of talent we got coming in, in our grad transfers. So they made it, you know, they exceeded our expectations or they met their expectations. Now they get to go to the elite eight with a win over ORU and it's going to be a tough one, but you know, looking back on that ORU game, that was the game where they went four for 24 from three point line. I mean, they had a horrible outing. So I I think they're going to come out hot, but yeah, I'm excited. I really want, Arkansas get to the Final Four just to see him get his head shaved. Yeah, I think that's going to be for yeah, good radio. <laughs> that's all. Yeah, that's pretty much all I've been uh, counting on it for. And so, well, we're about to be up against a break here. And guys, I want to remind you. I know we've talked about it on the pod before, but uh, my other podcast that I do through Rocktown Sports Media, Gridiron Icons, Arkansas's greatest high school coaches, is going to drop. So I guess today, uh, this this episode drops. On a Friday, and so will uh, the newest episode of Gridiron Icons, episode three. We do monthly episodes just featuring various high school coaches around the state, whether they're retired, whether they're active, something to do to honor them. And for episode three, we honor the late, great Bill Keedy, have some people uh, that played for him, that radio broadcasted with him, and then it also grew up with him in Newport that are going to help me tell his story of a championship coaching career and uh, also uh, a really good career as an Arkansas State football commentator as well and so we've got cabo up next with some baseball stay with us you're listening to the hog talk podcast JJ Skrill. They have locations all over Arkansas, and right now they have $5 Arkansas attitudes while the Hogs are still in the NCAA tournament. Bottle beer buckets are just $10, and truly buckets are $15. Plus, you can mix and match. When you're on Twitter, make sure to tweet out Best Bar JJ's to help JJ's win Barstool's Best Bar. They're competing against the defending national champion Subdogs. In order for JJ's Grill to win it all, we need you to tweet out hashtag Best Bar JJ's. College basketball is just better at JJ's. Do your mouth a favor and come visit us at JJ's Grill. We're back on episode number 178 of the Hog Talk Podcast. Kyle Sutherland here with you. Also joined by the coach, Kevin Bohannon. Cabo, what is going on, my brother? Man, we got through another week. Arkansas baseball's down in Stark, Vegas. Ready to take on the number three Mississippi State Bulldogs. and looking forward to a fantastic matchup in SEC baseball this weekend. A very impressive matchup with our actual series with Memphis. Man, anybody that wanted some – when you score 23 runs, I don't, I don't think that uh, the the naysayers for Nate Thompson are, are out there right now. That was just not a bad pitching performance either. You saw some pretty good pitching from your relievers as a whole for once. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Cole Ramage, I got to give him a little bit of credit. I was really hard on him after he gave up a home run on his first pitch. But he settled down the last two innings in game two and got the – Got the save, actually, because Caden Monk came in and got the win. Caden Monk really spotted his fastball to his glove side. And anybody who's watched baseball or follows baseball knows that left-handed pitchers usually have tail that has good arm side runs. So it's going to run away from a right-handed batter. And anybody that has really good command to their glove side, which is in on a right-handed hitter, shows that they got really good command of the fastball. He wasn't working 91-93. He was working more 88-91, to and he showed a lot better command. So that gives Coach Hobbs and Coach Van Horn some confidence going into the weekend because they're already down a couple of pitchers. And we found out today that Connor Nolan's going to be out for a couple of more weeks. We had speculated that he might be injured. Didn't know because we haven't seen him since uh, Murray State. So it's good to see those guys come in, get some good work in. 
But yeah, Kyle, like you said, the Razorback team batting average went from 266, which was ranked 13th in the league, to 279 as a team. Raising your team batting average by 13 points in two games is really kind of unheard of, but they did it with an explosive lineup, and we had at least three starters sitting both games. Christian Franklin, Brady Slavens, and Casey Opit got to sit in game two. In game one, you had Cullen Smith, um, and Brady, Brady Slavens was dh but you had Cullen Smith, Casey Opitz, and Braden Webb came up big. He got on base 10 times over two games. That, that's really unheard of, especially over 16 innings of being able to get to the plate. He batted 10 times, got on base 10 times. And Matt Goodhart, can't say enough about him. Oh, he was yeah. out there the first couple of games oh, and has, has played pretty well since coming back from uh, the issues that he was dealing with through the first couple of games of the season. Four for five on Wednesday. Of course, scored a run and also hit that home run. Uh, just phenomenal oh, Kyle, performance. Kyle, yeah, we, we just got notified from NASA that that ball finally landed. Oh, sweet. So <laughs> man, it took a few, it took a little time for Battles' ball to land uh, there against yep. Louisiana Tech. And man, the, these moonshots, I'm telling you. Everybody talking again, everybody's just always like wanting to trash Nate Thompson. Let's get this guy a raise, man. They're sending balls to the moon. <laughs> But, That's right. Yeah, just, and you look at the pitching performance too. I wanted to bring that back up. So Bolden went four four point two innings, just gave up a hit and a run, and then gave up an earned run. And the, I was really impressed with. I, I talked about the relievers, but between Ryan Costu, Elijah Tress, Peyton Paulette, and I, I always forget what is Morris's first name. Is it Zach? It is. Zach. I, I always forget. It is I, Zach I Morris. Never, for yeah. some reason, I always want to say Mar. I, for, I see MM every time I see, like in my head. <laughs> yeah. I always want to say Mark Morris. I don't. I, maybe I'm thinking of Mark Mulder that pitched for the Cardinals years and years ago. Oh yeah. But oh yeah. Between those guys, you only give up two hits. Uh, that was phenomenal. You gave up four hits uh, against uh, Memphis on Wednesday, but that was just extremely encouraging to see. Just the fact that, look, you didn't even have cops in come, that's been your setup guy. You didn't have Jackson Wiggins. It's like a strikeout waiting to happen every single time that a batter faces him. And so it was pretty good. Miller Pleeman got his debut, a Fayetteville kid that transferred in from Wichita State. He did struggle a little bit, but, hey, it's going to take some time to, to get his feet wet. Definitely. And Coach Van Horn said in the postgame press conference that he gave you two two really quick innings of quick outs and then kind of ran into trouble in the third. People forget they had three runs last night, but they didn't have any hits. They had a couple hit batters, got some walks, error by Jacob Nesbitt at second base. But, yeah, give a pat on the back to Miller Plyman. He uh, he transferred here, walk on, did pretty well in the fall, got his velocity up. He, he was 91, 92 a couple of times last night, and, and that's about four to five miles per hour higher than what he was at Wichita State. So I was good to see him in a Razorback uniform finally. But, yeah, uh, we got to have some more depth in the bullpen, and that's what these guys showed last night. Of course, Memphis hitters outside of Hunter Goodman, who is their catcher, who is an All-American, ranked number three by D1Baseball.com, third best catcher in America, right in front of Casey Opitz. I think they're both really good in their own right, but, they're not SEC hitters outside of Goodman, and our pitchers have to understand that it's going to get a little tougher this weekend. Jackson Wiggins saw that last weekend when he gave up the home run to Prater, struck two out in the ball game. So, yeah, really good. Evan Gray got to throw a little bit. He still a little wild, but he's getting better command right there. But yeah, down the stretch right here. Let's talk a little bit about the weekend rotation, Kyle. What do you think with Patrick Wicklander on Friday night? I think that Dave Van Horn, and I'm not, no one questions the GOAT, but sometimes we do. I know the Bubba Carpenter is definitely notorious for not questioning him, but bringing up some things that he's just kind of like, I guess, uh, pondering. We'll, we'll use the word pondering. Yeah. And that's kind of where I'm at right now. I just think that Dave Van Horn wants – because Wiki has proven that he's gotten some good stuff. I mean, he was a staple on a College World Series team just two years ago. And since then, at the beginning of last year, struggled as a starter. And this year's kind of been so-so. Pitched pretty well against Alabama and also has been pretty good in relief in a couple of other games. But I think that Dave Van Horn just really – either him and or Matt Hobbs – really want him to be a weekend starter. And it seems like with Lyle Lockhart on Sunday being solidified and Zeb Vermillion being solidified, if they continue to pitch the way that they do, 
I, I just I think that that Friday spot is wide open, especially since with the kind of performance that Paulette had last Friday, and he really, really wants Wiki. I guess you could say to be the Friday starter, but he wants him to be a weekend starter. I just no doubt in my mind about that. Yeah, and that's it. That's been the thing with Wicklander is he's got good stuff. Of course, he went through the issue during all season to where he, he was losing some weight, and they finally got that under control. But he's got to get to where he he's confident and has command back. So, as a freshman, he was terrible coming out of the bullpen, but he was lights out as a starter. Maybe that's some of the thought process. I think in Mississippi State's kind of doing the same thing. They're going by pitching matchup, not matchups. They're going game by game. Of course, their Friday and Saturday guys are solidified with Christian McLeod and Will Bednar. Their Sunday starters kind of TBD right now. Jackson Fristo, the freshman, could be one. But we'll talk about them in a, in a second. But back to Wicklander. Think about this, Kyle. The it, Major League Baseball's definition of a quality start is when a pitcher pitches at least six innings, allows three earned runs or fewer, and that's his job, pre- prevent runs and get outs. How many quality starts do our starters have this year? Uh, Question see, of the day. Zeb's, Zeb's got two the past two Saturdays. And that would be it. We've only, had, we've, only had, we've only had two starters or – one starter twice go out and pitch more than six innings, six Zeb, innings or more. And Zeb went eight. In yeah, the last two Saturdays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, he went he went eight innings, gave up three runs or less. We have got to have starters that can go longer than four and two thirds innings. Our guys aren't even qualifying for for a win yet. They can qualify for a loss because they can get ripped like Paulette did last week. But our, you have to go five innings to to qualify for the win. Paulette's done that before. That's why Kevin Copps leads us in wins right now because he's usually been the one right after the starter to come in and he gets us through that middle part of the middle to latter part of the game. So if they can get somebody in there to go five or six innings, that's going to take some of the taxing off of the bullpen, even though we are deep. There's going to get in some of these series where we need to ro- roll guys in and it'd be better if we can pitch off matchup than pitch off somebody who's just throwing strikes. And what do you think about this rotation against Mississippi State again? Number three, it's a two-three matchup. They're going to be the, the premier SEC one of the weekend. How do our batters that have, again have just come off of scoring twenty-three runs? How do they match up against a quality team like Mississippi State on the road? So the the Mississippi State pitching staff as a whole has a two point three zero ERA at Duty Nova Field with a sellout crowd. It's going to be loud. It's going to be ruckus. It's going to be the, the biggest test that we face this year. Christian McLeod, who was really good against Texas in their opener this year in Arlington, he, as far as the starters go in the weekend rotation, he has the highest ERA at 1.74. Of course, Will Bednar has only made two starts. He came off of an injury. He's a really good righty. And then if you look at their Sunday starter, it could be one of three or four guys right now. Jackson Fristo was the freshman that I just mentioned, has a 1.71 ERA. He was part of that state staff that threw the no-hitter against Kent State earlier this year when they won 13 to nothing. Fristo has some really electric stuff. He's 6'4". He was originally committed to Kentucky because he's out of Paducah, Kentucky. But he's 6'4", really good fastball that will run 93-94. You're going to think of Jackson Wiggins, just not the, the fastball that hits triple digits. He's got really good command, really good changeup, slider. And then they've got a couple other freshmen out of the bullpen that are really solid. Mikey Tepper, Dylan Carmucci. Carmucci was originally committed to Louisiana Lafayette. Both of those guys have done really well for the Bulldogs. Tepper got his first start this past week. Hasn't given up a run on the year. And then their originally Sunday starter, uh, Eric Saratola. Didn't butcher that up too much. He's 0-1, 7.71 ERA, ran into some trouble this past weekend against LSU, which the Bulldogs lost that game 6-5, to so they took two out of three from LSU. But it's going to be tough. We're going to have to play some opportunistic baseball. We can't just rely on the home run. I think you'll see our runners get going a little bit more. Robert Moore leads us in stolen bases right now, but you might see it couple more bunts. You know, we haven't bunted a whole lot because I really haven't seen anybody outside of Zach Gregory or Braden Webb who could bunt. And this weekend, only one of those is going to be in the game. I think it'll be Braden Webb. He's shown that 
it's kind of getting out of that funk. So one through nine, we've got to do a lot better job of putting the ball in play. One thing I did want to bring up, Kyle, we've only hit into one double play this year, and that was last night with the bases loaded. It was Robert Moore. And that was something you think about it through 19 ball games. We've only hit into one double play. We saw that quite a few times over the past few years where we get an inning going and have runners in scoring position hit to a double play and out of the inning. So uh, I bet you'll see some more hit and run, some more you know, strategery, so to speak, this weekend against Mississippi State to try to get some runs because you might see some 42, three to one ball games. That was another thing I was going to bring up. Braden Webb had four hits over the weekend. I think it was four hits. Uh, yeah, it's something around there. I, I don't know. Maybe it wasn't quite that many, but either way, uh, maybe he got on base four times. I can't remember what the number is, but the fact of the matter is he was actually getting on base and he was doing things at the plate. And that's exactly what we've been wanting to see out of him. My question to you was that uh, every, just about every week, it seems like o- over the last few weeks, what are we going to do with that left field spot? It's kind of like Webb gets the Friday and then Usually Gregory goes on Saturday and Sunday. And so now that he's actually doing good things, and also Gregory does great things at the plate, it seems like he always gets on base, whether it's yeah. by, from a hit-by-pitch, from a walk, whatever it is. Uh, that guy is just always going to get on base. He might not hit, but he's going to figure out a way to to get there to put a runner in scoring position. And by the way, it was two hits. I don't know. I think, I think it was that he got on base for Webb uh, four times. But either way, like you said, starting to get out of that funk. For uh, in the in the batting lineup there, yeah, the biggest thing, like you said, he probably has the biggest discrepancy between on base percentage and batting errors that I've seen at the collegiate level. He's only hitting one fourteen, which is quadruple what he was hitting coming into this past series with Memphis. But he's getting on base forty percent of the time. He's at a four oh four clip getting on base, so that's big, especially at the bottom of the lineup. If you're wanting to put him in the nine hole that can flip the lineup over your nine hole in college baseball. And what coach fan and coach coach Thompson see it as is a second lead off hitter, somebody that can run the pit, the starting pitchers pitch count up and can get on base by any means possible. So if that can get it over to the top of the lineup, he can get on base more figures it out. And then you get all of a sudden you get Christian Franklin up with two on and nobody out. So that's the big thing. And the way, way I see it is, Kyle, uh, and I'll let you get back to your point. I think it'll be based on matchups. You, you, I think they'll go righty-lefty. And you, you probably see Braden Webb against McLeod on Friday, and then against Bednar, you'll put Zach Gregory in there since he's got a left-handed bat. That, that's pretty much what the next point that I was going to get to was. It was yeah. just, you, you name these names, and it's just if if one guy is we've, – we've talked about on in basketball and, and with baseball now – that if one guy's not hot, if one or two guys isn't hot, then the next two are. So if it's not Slavin and Smith, it's typically Moore and maybe Franklin. But then we've still got yeah. Jalen Battles. You still got those guys that can get hot there in the Caden Wallace. Yeah, Caden Wallace that's done, but had a phenomenal freshman season. I mean, early on this season, definitely already putting himself in the conversation for for possibly SEC Freshman of the Year. Just been a, a phenomenal player there out of, out of Greenbrier. And so, just a reminder, guys: Friday at six thirty will be first pitch in Starkville, Stark Vegas, whatever you want to call it. Saturday, a 2 p.m. pitch. Both of those Friday and Saturday games will be on SEC Network Plus, so you can stream them. Sunday, first pitch at 2 o'clock on the SEC Network. So a lot more sports still this week, man. This is the, I know we always get excited, Kevin, during bowl season because you got all these bowl games and it's football. It's what everybody seems to really love. But I, I don't know that it gets much better than March Madness plus college baseball. I uh, just can't beat it. Especially when the Hogs are playing on the second weekend exactly. for the first time in 25 years. So, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You, you got the Arkansas playing, so it, it, both sports you, you can't beat it in late no. March. That's what we're going to talk about next when we uh, speak with Pat Bradley, former Razorback player, current SEC Network analyst. We will get to that as soon as we get back from the commercial break. Stay with us. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of the Believe and Hit That Line Podcast Networks. Whether rare dead stock or the latest release, find the exact shoe you're looking for through our friends at eBay. As the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go for the pair you have been eyeing. eBay's authenticity guarantees your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators that verify the box, logo, stitching, and dozens of other inspection points. The guarantee also protects sellers with a verified return process. Selling fees have even been eliminated on sneakers $100 or more, making it free to sell or flip your collection. 
Go to ebay.com slash sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. With American National, you get a dedicated agent who will help you make well-informed decisions about protecting your lifestyle. Call us today for a free review of your commercial, home, and auto policies, or to learn more about our customizable farm and ranch insurance. Let the Atkins Agency be your agency of choice. You can visit us on the web at theatkinsagency.com. Call us at 501-428-0877 or connect with us through Facebook. Go Hogs! Located in Fayetteville, Rapology is your top spot for banners, signs, and wraps. From commercial fleet wraps, color changes, vinyl decals, and much more, they take care of you in a timely and professional manner. Call Rapology today at 479-368-6490. Again, that's 479-368-6490. The Hawk Talk Podcast is brought to you by Heinemann Services. Heinemann Services is a family-owned and operated business whose work ethic and customer service will restore your confidence in handyman. They offer interior and exterior projects for your home or business, including repairs, installations, small remodels, landscaping, decks, fencing, and much more. Call Corey and his crew today at 479-347-9336. That's 479-347-9336. We're back on episode number 178 of the Hog Talk Podcast. Kyle Sutherland here with you, and we go to the Workman's Travel Center hotline. And on the other side is former Razorback great and current SEC Network basketball analyst, Pat the Shooter Bradley. And Pat, it's great to have you on, first of all, and what more exciting time than right now. The Hogs are back in the Sweet 16 since you last helped them get there as a freshman 25 years ago. Yeah, it uh, time flies, man. <laughs> it doesn't feel that like it's that long ago. I guess thank God for VHS tapes and VCRs, man, because I can plug that in and Relive it any time I want, Kyle. <laughs> and you grew up. I know everybody's all about downloading clips on the internet, but I, I still got my VCR, man. I, I think my parents still have the VCR DVD player, but I, I have not had a VCR probably since junior high. It's been quite some time. But I did used to watch former Razorback basketball games that did feature you uh, on those uh, on that said VHS, but I don't even know <laughs> if, if theirs would still work anymore. But, hey, Thanks to well, I can get you a good deal on one, man. Just let me know. I'll, no doubt, no doubt. Well, Pat, well, you grew up in, in Everett, Massachusetts, not too far from Boston, but it's light years away from Fayetteville. And I know that you've told the story before, but just kind of to refresh some memory here, how was it that Nolan got a hold of you, or at least how someone from Nolan's staff found you all the way up there? Man, it, it was you know pretty pretty similar to what you would see today in, in AAU, you know, is, is we playing in a tournament and a lot of times when you playing in these big AAU tournaments with multiple teams, uh, you, they'll, they'll keep the teams that win on the main court. You know, you lose first, first game and your second game, they, they send you to the auxiliary gym. That's kind of like down the street across the, you know, picket fence and all that. So we, we kept winning. We good team just kept winning. And I, I really would just played solid. You know, a lot of people would think, Oh man, you must've shut the lights out. Really? Truthfully. Uh, it was the fact that my team had continued to win and coach Richardson was watching other players and we just kept winning and winning to the point where we had gotten to the final four of the tournament. And so we're in front of all these coaches, Coach Richardson, Coach K, and, and they're looking at our team like, how the heck do these guys keep winning? So Coach just liked that. And fortunately, he had plenty of scholarships in case, you know, he could, he could just take a chance on a, on a slow kid from Boston. Uh, so, you know, I rem remember Coach Anderson actually called me in my hotel room and said, you know, this is Coach Anderson. He said, hang on, Coach Richardson wants to talk to you. And he said, man, we're going to be at your game tonight. So we'll be watching and seeing what you can do. <laughs> and, you know, you don't realize it as a kid. It's just like, okay, all right, we'll see you there. Talk to you later. <laughs> and, you know, went out and played well. And um, so it was, it was uh, really from day one we connected. And, and he's – He's that kind of guy, man. He's a massive psychologist, so he understands 
he understands how to connect with, with people from all walks of life. And I know that that was, if I remember correctly, Arkansas was your biggest offer that you had gotten. Where do you think you may have gone if you wouldn't have come to Arkansas or what were some, at least other options, maybe two or three other options that you were really looking at? Well, it probably would have been uh, either St. Bonaventure or Boston University or Northeastern. It's probably one of those three. Um, you know, I obviously probably would never have left the area code if uh, Coach Richardson hadn't come calling. And then when he did, it was a pretty easy decision. You know, I even had, you know, the, the St. Bonaventure coach, Jimmy Jim Barron, Coach Barron at the time was like, yeah, because I had to call him and tell him, Coach, man, I appreciate it. Because, you know, they spend months and months and months calling you and and just developing a relationship. And, you know, for me to have to call them and say, yeah, I think, you know, I'm going to go to Arkansas. <laughs> One coach wasn't happy. I won't say where or who, but – the, the other coaches, you know, Coach Dennis Wolf and all them and uh, Coach Barron, they were like, I don't blame you. <laughs> I probably say. <laughs> yeah, because at, yeah, at that time, it was a hot place to go. You're coming off a national championship, then, of course, a national championship runner-up. So, you can't really blame you for doing that, especially at that particular time. Yeah, I, I think – you know, the, the thought process was for those, and it was anything other than they were just looking out for me. You never want to, as an eight, you know, as a 18, 19 year old kid travel 1500 miles from home, sit on the end of the bench and really have a bad experience in college. So what's important when you're making decisions where to go to college, you really have to make sure you get what you want out of it. Like if you're not playing that's not a fun experience, you know? And so I think it's important for anybody. You got to really like the city. You got to like the coach. You got to like the players. Um, you know, so it's, it's, yes, it, I was fortunate, blessed, and really that it worked out. I see it all the time though, where kids will go and they're so far away from home. You know, it's just like, you need, you need a support group. Um, and, and unfortunately for me, it, it did work out, but you know, there's, there's so many guys we see every, every year for one reason or another, they go away from home and it doesn't work out. And now they're like, dang, what am, you know, what am I going to do? And they end up transferring out. So it, it really worked out for me. And people thankfully were up front, honest with me, like, Hey man, you better, you better like really ask a lot of questions because I remember, you know, my parents drove me to Fayetteville and we were sitting at the AQ chicken at Fayetteville and we had been in town for about maybe a little over 24 hours. And I was like, yeah, I don't think I want to stay here. <laughs> and they were like, well, there's a problem because we're not taking you back. <laughs> and you're going to work it out. You're going to figure it out. And so, you know, both my parents said, you got to give it a shot, man. You know, you, 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 we drove, first of all, we drove all the way here and, you know, not for us to take you back. So those things go on in people's minds and, and I'm glad they made me stay. And it was like, figure out a way to make it work. That doesn't mean that, you know, I'm not saying when kids leave a transfer, it's their fault. Sometimes it just doesn't work out. I was fortunate to where, um, it did work out. And Pat, this year, Arkansas has gotten a lot of great production out of three freshmen from the top five recruiting class in Moses Moody, Jalen Williams, and Devo Davis. Of course, K.K. Robinson, unfortunately, out with the foot injury that happened earlier in the year. But when the Hogs went to the last the last Sweet 16 mentioned in the opening there, it had yourself, Derek Hood, Kareem Reed, three freshmen that were key pieces to that team. Do you see many similarities at least, and obviously you've got the similarity of three freshmen being key pieces, but do you see possibly any any similarities, not maybe just with like you and another player or Kareem and another player, but just the way that this team plays? Well, I think when you talk about the freshmen, which was similar with me, Kareem, and Derek, is in those freshmen are the same. Most freshmen 
if if not 99.99999%, if not 100% freshmen go into college with winning records, like they all average double digits. They're, they're, they're normally accustomed to going into the state championship games, a state championship tournament. So you get that winning mentality. Like you haven't lost a lot yet. So you expect to be there. And I see that in those guys. That's how we were. You know, we, we were 12 seed, went to the sweet 16 and we were like, yeah, that's what we're supposed to do. We didn't realize like how difficult in the grind a season could be if you do it a couple years. Um, and then the other thing I saw, I saw from the, you know, Moses has been doing it from the beginning and we knew he'd be able to, he's that talented. Um, but the other two guys, Jalen and, uh, Devo, you could see the maturity, how each, you know, they, they've developed confidence. You know, Devo Davis was earning minutes because of defense and hustle. Now you see him in the tournament. He's, he's becoming an offensive weapon on the half court, not just in transition. So I think that's, that's a similarity of, of us in them is throughout the course of the season you you see that confidence to where you're actually a big part of that offense. I, I mean, listen, in my first game, I forget what my, you know, our f- first game stats were, but our last game of the season, we played, we beat LSU at LSU. And this is, we started four freshmen in a junior. And I, I think I had 25 and, you know, Derek probably had another double, double and Kareem probably had 10 assists, 10 points. So you know, by the end of our freshman year, we weren't freshmen anymore. And Jalen Williams isn't a freshman anymore. Devo Davis are not a freshman. You know, obviously Moses is playing like, you know, much more than a freshman. So those are similarities. Yeah, and that's another thing I was going to say too is like we talk about uh, the guys, the, what you did complimenting Derek being an assist guy. Or, I'm sorry, not Derek. Uh, Kareem being an assist guy. You all could score, but you also had your own little specialties that you could do that really helped make this team what it was. And that's what we're seeing this year. Last year, it was like if Mason Jones was out, then you were probably not going to win that game. Or if Isaiah Joe was out, same result in most cases. But this year, you've got guys on the bench that you can dig into with Jalen Williams stepping up. Now, I know Connor, sometimes he doesn't really fit into a particular game plan and he might not see the minutes, but it almost seems like just like, for instance, whenever Connor was struggling in the SEC tournament, Ethan Henderson came in and didn't light up the score or light up the stat sheet, but at least got you some plays, especially on the defensive end, that were really going to to uh, put you in a good position, even though we weren't able to pull it out against LSU. But talk about the importance of that and just how deep this this bench is, this entire roster is compared to last year. Well, that's a, a key to winning is you got to have, especially when you get this deep, you got to have scoring depth because you just don't know who the defense is going to focus on and take it away. You don't know who's going to have an off night. Uh, and, and so that's important. And you, the challenge for must though, is to make sure to keep those guys ready. And that isn't easy. And you know, must talks about it a lot where, that's why he he likes to really have a short bent. You know, he likes to play only seven or eight guys because, and, and make it clear, because he doesn't enjoy going into the locker room and watch looking at six guys pouting. <laughs> and, and so that you know that's the challenge though is for a coach is how how do I keep some guys who don't get a lot of minutes ready for when I need them and. He's done. A, he's done a great job. You know, it's taken Ethan a couple years, and I think he's figured out his role. and And that's the key, is man. You just you're waiting for these guys to understand. You know, the the mind and the body to come together. And so it's good. It was good to see it because Ethan's can be, you know, at his, his length and athleticism, he can make a big difference without even scoring a bucket. Um, so it was good to see see him. You never know when he's called upon. You never know if there's foul trouble with Justin Smith and uh, you, you need a guy to come in and, and give you some good minutes defensively to protect the rim. And as we go deeper in this thing, you know, Baylor's got, Baylor's got some size that we'll have to contend with. Obviously, they're better around the perimeter. That's where their studs are. But they've got a couple of jumping jack, you know, guys that um, – 
get around the rim and you definitely can use a guy like Ethan and Connor Vanover and guys like that with size. So you got to keep them engaged and those guys got to be ready. And then in order to get to Baylor, of course, we all know we have to get past Oral Roberts, one of the Cinderella's outside of, I guess, the two-time Cinderella, uh, Loyola Chicago from 2018. They're uh, doing some great things as well as Oral Roberts right now. But Oral's got Max Abmus and Kevin O'Banner, two guys that have just been studs this entire season, have been studs in the, in the NCAA tournament so far. Do you think that the Razor well, – I think that everybody knows that they have the ability to do it, but – Will the Razorbacks end that Cinderella story for Oral Roberts on Saturday night? I hope so. I don't know. Is that are you asking me like you're gonna put Well, I'm asking you, I'm asking you if you if Pat Bradley believes. I'd rather answer this. I I like answering these questions, not will they, how can they? There you go. There you go. That's the analyst. That's the analyst in you. I like it. Well, no, no. Only the good Lord knows what's gonna happen. That's true. yeah. Trust me, if I was like Biff from Back to the Future Part 2 and I had that like gambling book, remember remember that's how yeah. He, he Yeah. That's how he built Biff World or what was it called? Biff whatever it was, that big casino he had down there in Hill Valley. Um really to me when when you look at what Old Robert's been able to do, they have were the recipients and I won't say they forced turnovers because it was like the recipients of Ohio state and Florida turning it over a total of 36 times in two games. So if you want to know how to lose to a team, that's a 15 seed. First of all, any team that gets in tournaments, a good team. Let's just say that Yeah. oral Roberts, is a good team. And what Ohio state did to help them missed shots and turned it over Florida what did they do to help them? Turn it over 20 times and play not. And, and at the end, they got the lead and they, they played not to win. They actually played to hang on. So what Old Roberts is going to do well is their guard is legit. Uh, their point guard. He is quick. He's got great change of speed, change of direction. He shoots it with range. He uses high ball screen well. He's sort of from the mold of Steph Curry, Dame Lillard, Trey Young. And he's legit. And the thing is, he's not just going to shoot threes. He's understood now how to get to the basket. He shot 14 free throws against Florida. He's actually now distributing the ball. So he's he's a, he's a problem. Uh, he's one of uh, – man, I mean, you think of who's left in, in – in, the NCAA tournament from a straight point guard, traditional point guard. He's one of the best. Um, So I think our advantage is though, if we play to our strengths, which is high percentage shots, you just go back to that old Roberts game. The first one, you know, we're down 10 in the first half with two or 14 from the three point line. Second half, we shoot 20 over 20 free throws and score 36 points in the paint. So that shows me we figured out, to play to our strengths <laughs> and yeah. not our weaknesses and um, you know, not discrediting what Oral Roberts could do defensively, but I think we all understand when we, when we get in trouble in most teams, it's not just us, most teams, it's when, when you take those bad shots and then that bad shot leads to transition bucket on the other end. So I think that's going to be at a premium is uh, because Oral Roberts isn't going to beat themselves. They're not going to turn it over. You're not going to take bad shots. So you, it's a very slim margin of error. Pat, one aspect I wanted to ask you about. Now, we have, in my opinion, the Razorback fan base, and I think you would agree, is second to none. I know you being covering the entire SEC now. You probably might want to keep that opinion to yourself. But either way, I think that it is the best without question. But – just like there is in every fan base, you have those knuckleheads that are going to use Twitter or social media and get their opinions out there, mostly negative ones. But if you would have looked at this, when you looked at this team back in January, and if you looked at some of the message boards, regardless of what website it was going to be on, you would think that Coach Mutz was going to get fired or he was going to leave, or this was a locker room that was just completely divided, which Devo Davis was on this podcast about a month ago and said all that stuff was not true at any point in the season. But after they started the SEC season two and four, that was when it was really becoming a meltdown. And most of us knew that a big issue was they just haven't gelled yet. They were a young team. On top of being a young team, they haven't played together, which I guess everybody in today's college basketball mostly is a young team. But 
talk about the importance of the time that it takes, not just to gel as friends, as, as guys that you are going to have your back, have the back of your teammate for, but just to play the full system. And just like we were talking about a second ago to play their part and, and eventually get clicked together. Talk about how, how that takes and how much that factors into a season that people just don't realize sometimes. Well, it is about learning what your coach expects from you, what role he wants you to play, because that, you know, the coaching staff has already put together what their game plan will be. And yeah, roles can change, but you, you've got to prove it to that coach. And, you know, they, they have they defining roles, accepting roles. And then of course, knowing where your teammates strengths are and where do they like the ball um, defensively, you know, who do you need to help a little bit more? How can you help communication wise? So all those things, you know, when you have 10 new players on a team, which they had, it's going to take some time. And that, that was shown not only with them, but with, a, with a lot of teams. So you knew they were going to go through that period and that period. I mean, they lost to Missouri, LSU, Alabama, and Tennessee. So um, it wasn't anything that was surprising you know, I mean, it's they go to Alabama and, and you know lose in a cold January night, and lose you know twenty five. That again wasn't surprising to me because I knew how good Alabama was. I know how good LSU is. I know how good Tennessee is and Missouri. You know, those are all NCAA tournament teams. And yeah, Tennessee and Missouri lost in the first round, but um, you know they they at the time those they, those two teams are playing good basketball. So I wasn't overly concerned you know, at that time that I think they'd be a three seed. No, I thought they'd certainly be able to win enough games to get in the tournament. So it was, it, it, it was a, I would say from that point, it took them a month to kind of turn things around. And then mid February is when they got in the top 25 and then, they really put it into gear. And then it was only a month later and they're in the top 10. So you, you go from, you know, really having to have some serious talks and then two months later, you're at number three seed. So, you know, that, that's really coach must did some work and the players had to, had to do the same work. We've been talking with Pat Bradley, former Razorback and current SEC basketball, SEC network basketball analyst. And Pat, it's been uh, great getting some insight from you, uh, getting a reminder of how you got to, to Arkansas and just uh, just talking with you, man. Really appreciate your time. Yeah, buddy, a long time ago. Thanks, Kyle, man. Be good, be safe, and we'll talk to you soon, my man. Definitely. Whoopig, and hopefully we come out and uh, we're talking about a Final Four next week. But either way, very thankful to be here. But guys, thank you, as always, for listening. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the pod, like us, subscribe, all that good stuff. Other than that, for Pat Bradley, my name's Kyle Sutherland. We'll catch you next time. All right. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.